Hi everyone, it's Deborah Rodriguez and welcome to my podcast once again. I am here with week three. We have made it all the way to week three and we are almost complete with this month series. We are finishing up with the war in the mind of how thoughts and negative voices basically play a role on trauma in our lives. So this week we're entering into a new scripture new uh, content a new topic that will also uh, basically follow up with the other content that we've been previously um, covering already all right so first off I want you to just think about last week's um, last week's podcast you know we talked about um, envy comparison all of that and I also posted a sermon if you have not listened to it and this was um, basically called the risky deal so this was about of the story of Job making that decision so that also um will also help in this series as well okay so just think take some time to think about that and um if you have not go ahead and send me a voicemail if you have any questions if you wrote any notes down and just take some time to think about that and see how that made you feel this week so I'm happy to be able to come back for a new week we're going into a new week Uh, this week and this week we're going to be talking about uh, loss doubt verbal abuse expectations Um, we're going to be talking about loss in the form of miscarriages loss in the form of stillborns loss in the loss in the form of families all these different things and how they affect us emotionally uh, and mentally uh, and and spiritually as well Uh, because I want to talk about my specific story of loss and how um through grieving through grieving um I was it caused a lot of of pain in my life all right and just how this thing how my you know how a loss in my life really uh shaped my life as a as a person okay so I want to go into that and discuss that okay so first I want to go off uh go ahead and pray um and I just thank God for just getting us to this week. This is going to be a very um, just intimate topic uh, for me specifically, very personal, very intimate and something that I've been preparing for. As you guys know, before I come on this podcast, I am going in a war just to get this content out, you know, spiritual war, pain, all these different things. Um, last week it was ER. This week it's like leg pain and different things like that but I'll discuss I'll, I'm actually going to discuss all of these things and you know the different things that I actually experience in day-to-day life on this podcast and it will be also uploaded in the YouTube for people to really um have a just have an idea you know of what it is um that I live with and that I experience on a day-to-day basis that also makes me stronger All right, so I'm going to go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come to you today, God. God, I thank you for, I just thank you for just peace. Thank you for peace right now. I thank you for being all we need. We don't need the next car. We don't need relationships. We don't need material things to be happy because we have you. And I thank you for that, God. I thank you for just being in our lives and being able to show us and prove to us each and every day our relationship with you. So, God, I just pray that you prepare me. You've already prepared me, but even preparing me to speak even now, 
um, let your Holy Spirit be able to lead me in what I what I'm supposed to say in this time to be able to live deliver to your people. God, I pray whoever is listening to this podcast that they are that they re, uh, receive clarity and comfort and a word from this podcast, whoever they may be from any walk of life that they have come and decided to listen. I pray that whatever they get from this, that it helps them in this time or it speaks to them in this time. God, I pray that um, you just increase yourself and you decrease anything in me. Yes, I'm going to be speaking about a very serious topic in this time, but please let me be able to release it to whoever is listening in a way that they are able to understand yet still see the severity of the issue in jesus name god i give you all honor and glory thank you so much in jesus name amen okay so we're gonna hop into it i have two bible verses that i will i'm going to be speaking on the two bible verses that i'm going to be speaking on the first one is jeremiah 29 and 11 if you already don't have your bibles go ahead and get them out so you can kind of uh, go along with me. Um, this is, I read the King James Bible. I also have the message version, but most of my reading comes from the King James Bible simply because, um, a lot of people say, okay, well, the Bible changed all these translations. It's not real. Well, you have to be able to read the Bible with the Holy Spirit. You know, you have to be able to be able to see what is, you know, read it and really know what God is saying. There's multiple interpretations and there's very much secrets that are behind the text and every time you read this text God can give you a different revelation somebody might have a revelation somebody might have one but you have to really be able to ask God hey what is this saying and really be able in prayer when you read the Bible it's not something that you just read and say okay this doesn't make sense one thing is saying this and one thing is saying this so right now I have uh some people read the new um what is it new international version so I'm going to um go ahead and quote that one as well but um you can see it's the same but the one that i'm uh that i originally looked at was uh jeremiah um 29 and 11 in the king james bible okay so we have two verses we have jeremiah 29 and 11 and we have psalms 30 and 5 psalms 35 is so important <laughs> to my life and got and and comfort me through so much pain that I've experienced in my life okay so Jeremiah 29 and 11 uh, says for I know the thoughts I think towards you say the Lord thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end all right so the scripture today is the the revelation today that God gave me and what I'm going to be speaking about is 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 basically based around the expected end the expected end that's what this is going to be called today this is the title of this message and the title of this podcast is going to be called the expected end and let me go ahead and read the international version so you can guys hear that too because that this might be the one that's in your bible it says for i know the plans i have for you declares the lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you hope in a future so all of this plays a big role 
and the expected end comes in context it comes with all of this to be able to see that hey god has a bigger picture he has a future for us he has a plan for us no matter what we go through there's everything is going to work together to create this plan and this future for us and that's the bigger picture that we have to understand so it's called the expected end looking at the end you know people say uh, there's light at the end of the tunnel at the end you're gonna if you just get through the end we hear this a lot and so the expected end and i want to encourage somebody on here today you've been you've been going through so much and you don't see your expected end you don't see it but i'm gonna tell you if you visualize that expected end if you visualize and keep that hope and visualize that expected end for yourself this is what's going to push you through one thing I learned is there's that's a, it's there's another, you know, God will always give you a way out. And I'm going to talk about this in my story of abuse today. This is a very intimate topic. Like I'm telling you guys, I'm just going to give you a graphic warning. There are some things in this that it might trigger you. So please, if you're not ready to hear about, um, I don't want to say don't shun from what I'm talking about because it's definitely needed to be talking about, but I'm just giving you a disclosure. I'm going to be talking about some very uh, intimate and sensitive things that has happened to me personally in my life. Um, I'm also going to be, this might go for two podcasts, part one and part two. All right. So make sure you look out for that. So um, the expected end, the expected end, we all, there's an expected end at the end of, at the end of our life. We all know in Christ Jesus, our expected end is eternal life. But what do we know? in on earth how do we live that how do we live that expectation on here on earth you know yes we that's our expectation in heaven but god gives us the um he wants us to understand the expected end is we have to be able to visualize that and see that and see that and live that here on earth okay so our expected end is not okay we're gonna you know, we're going to get our paycheck at the end. We're going to just die and go rot at the end. Nothing is going to happen at the end. I'm going to get married and have kids at the end. No, that's not how you visualize your expected end. You're, most times we're thinking in the future. We're thinking about what's going to happen. We're thinking about how much money we're going to make, what we're going to do, uh, what's going to work for us. Am I ever going to get out this abusive relationship? Is this stuff going to ever stop? Am I ever going to stop being depressed? We constantly think about these things, but we don't realize that the expected end, yes, we have an expected end, but how we visualize that expected end is what's going to get us out. How we see that expected end is how we're going to change our mindset and how we're going to get out of this situation. So I'm going to talk about how I had to learn, how I had to fight you know, my fight with depression, my fight with all these different things that I had to fight uh, toward and how just how I chose to allow God to come in and be my therapist. I'm going to talk about that as well, because throughout my whole journey in this life, God was my therapist specifically. I allow him to come in and flush every dark, every dark thought, every darkness, everything out. And he did it. And I watched it every time. So for some of you, you say, you know, I'm taking this medicine. It's not working. 
I'm on this medication for depression. It's not working. I'm still depressed. What's happening? Why am I still depressed? I tried this. I tried that. I tried to, I tried to uh, get a boob job. I tried to go get a new outfit. I tried to go get a new shirt. I tried to do everything he wanted. It's not working because it's not that. That's not the cure for what's going on inside of you. Why is this marriage not working? Why is this relationship not working? I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. I'm cooking, I'm cleaning, I'm giving him sex. I'm, I'm, I'm buying her purses. I'm taking her out. I'm doing all these things for her and it's just not working. See, that's not the cure for you. Before we can come together and be healthy, and together, we have to realize that we have to work on things, the deep parts of things in ourselves. And this is why I tell people, I've been single for eight years. They say, how could you be single for eight years? Well, you had sex or you got, you know, got pregnant. Yes, but these, these I did not make these relationships. Yes, things happen. Yes, you people have one night stands. Yes, all these things happen. You know, and people don't really understand my walk and how it I a person like me has to has to take had to this didn't take a year, you know, for me to just say, Hey, I actually wanna be with you. You know, I'm ready to hurry up and, and get with you now. I wanna be in a relationship. No, it didn't. Just because these things happen along the line does not mean that I was healed. Sometimes your healing takes longer. Don't let somebody tell you um, it's going to take tomorrow. You know, that was a traumatic situation I had in a, in a, a, a counselor. I was, it was my first, um, prof- I was going to a professional person. I thought this person, you know, I went and I was very excited. It was right after my sexual abuse and she persecuted me and it was horrible. And she said, you're taking too long to heal. You should have been over this. And that was the worst thing I could ever hear from someone. I still haven't reported this lady. That was the worst thing experience I had in my life, especially someone who was already experiencing trauma. So I could tell she was already uh, going to my accounts, my Facebook and different things like that, trying to figure out who I was. And I remember writing a blog post and the blog post was titled, how sexual abuse uh, and, and physical assault affected my self-esteem. So she brought it up in the counseling session and said, yeah, we're gonna talk about how sexual abuse and this brought, uh, affected your self-esteem. And I said, what? And I was looking like, where did this come from? You know? So before I even went into the session, this woman had a already an expectation of who I was supposed to be. We're talking about expectations here. How many people have expectations of what you're supposed to do, how you're supposed to look, how you're supposed to behave, what you're supposed to do? We have so many expectations and oftentimes expectations makes us very depressed. We feel like we're not on a level. We feel like we're not in a career path we're supposed to be. We feel like all of this stuff and we don't realize that this is affecting us. This is affecting us and this is causing trauma because we're trying to live up to someone else's expectation and we're constantly in a bubble and we can't break out. So I'm going to tell you guys a story. A lot of this is going to be a lot of stories based around this. Uh, This is a very, like I said, intimate, I'm going to be talking and everything uh, of relating these issues to my life specifically. So 
there is a there is a time I was in the restroom and I was getting ready to graduate I was getting ready to graduate high school and I had to make a decision as to what college I was going to at this time I got accepted into a performing arts college for dance for performing arts it was in a small town it was a private school a predominantly white school so I would probably be only one percent black okay so I got into this school uh, I, that's all I wanted to do at 17. I, I, all the schools came. I said, I don't want to go to TSU. I don't want to go to U of H. I don't want to go to anywhere in Houston, period. I want to get out of here. I don't want to be here. So I ended up getting accepted to this school. Um, submitted a dance tape. They accepted me. It was very hard to get into the school. I didn't have a high GPA. I, my, my writing scores were very high. You know, I got commended performance on two tax tests. Two of the, I, I passed all my tax, commended on two. But I wasn't just didn't have the highest of scores. So it's very hard for me to get into the school. But because of my tape, because of my extracurricular activities, and all these th different things, I got in. And that was a big that was big for me, especially being at an all white school. So I remember, you know, around that time, um, my you know, I would tell people, OK, I was in high school and I would say, you know, uh, I'm going to be um, a psychologist that's what I would tell people you know I used to want to be a doctor too in the past I was like I want to be a psychologist and um, at that time I um, I wanted to be a professional dancer you know at 13 a dance teacher saw my potential and told me to audition for the high school and I said no I don't want to be a dancer I want to be a psychologist so this was just in my head but really over time I desired that I love to dance and I that's what I wanted to do for the rest of my life and I was, because of the expectations of people, I, you know, in high school, I had a dance team. I formed my own dance team. We were dancing on stage, everything, you know, all that stuff. That was me at like 15, 16 doing business. You know, that, that was me. So um, this has been a, been a part of my life for over 10 years, you know, performing arts and choreography. And um, I was so ashamed because I didn't, you know, and I was in the upper bound program and the career people came with all their dress stuff on and they said, what do you want to do? And, and, uh, you know, I raised my hand and said, a psychologist, but behind my head, I was like professional dancer. Now, why would you say that? You don't want to do that. You know, you don't want to do that. And so I had no one around me to say, okay, dancing is a career, you know, how can this be a career? Because it looked, it was looked down upon, you know, me. Um, and my mom would say, you know, why don't you just go be a teacher? All of them were teachers, you know, uncle was in, uh, my aunt is, one of my aunts is a lawyer. Um, she, my aunt that told me that she was a nurse and, uh, you know, we have nurses, teachers, uh, medical, you know, all that different stuff. And I just remember being in the restroom and I, literally was washing my hair in the tub you know how you get on your knees and wash your hair and I said I don't want to do that and I looked at her I said I don't want to do what you're telling me you want me to do you know she was like just go to school for education get you a um, teacher's degree and all this different stuff and da, 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 da. I said I don't really need all of that I said I don't want to do that I said I want to dance that's what I really want to do I want to dance and I'm sick of it so I just went out and basically Everything, every expectation that people had on me, I completely went past it and literally just 
literally dismantle every expectation that someone had of me. If they told me that this is what you want to do, I did the opposite. This is how I freed myself from so much people bondage. I was a person of people bondage. Okay, this is what I want you to do. We're going to do this. Uh, this is what you're going to do. And I just say yes. And I didn't want to do it. There's a lot of people who are doing things that you don't want to do. You're not happy doing it. You're just really doing it because people tell you to do it. And to be honest, I would rather be doing something I love. And I would rather be doing something that I want to do. Even if it takes me, even if it might not be something that other people expect or agree with. You know, you got to go through that yourself. You have to realize for yourself, hey, this is not something that you know I don't really uh maybe I'll see it for myself you're not going to see it yourself at first but you have to go through that walk to see it in your for yourself or you're going to be in bondage you know it's just like somebody keeping a secret in so long and you're never talking about it you don't come out about it you don't talk about it and it's digging you up inside this is how a lot of people are experiencing depression because they don't talk about something that they're holding in it's the difference between holding it in and just realizing, okay, you know what, I don't really know yet, I'm confused, or just really talking about, okay, you know what, this is what I'm experiencing and coming out about. This is why you see people being able to move freely because they're able to talk about these things, you know, versus holding them in, okay? So, basically, that was the expectation part, all right? That was the expectation part, and for me, that was that that took on a lot of grieving for me because I had to come against what somebody already saw me as doing. I had to come against all these different things that people perception that people saw me basically grooming me into be this person, and this was not anyone who I was. So I had to break away from that. So I want you guys to write down if you have any journal or something, put break away from expectations. Write down break away from the expectations of others and how others perceive you. What your, what your parents perceive you to grow up to be that you know you don't want to be. Break away from those expectations and walk into your, your truth. Something else that I would say, right now I'm a, I'm a professional dancer. You know, I tell people I've been dancing. I've, you know, being pregnant and everything, I took a break. But I, um, I do professional choreography. All these things that they wanted me to do, I already did. I was a teacher, was teaching for eight years. All these different things. You know, and I have the experience to do, and I'm doing what I love to do. I'm an entrepreneur. I stay at home. I do everything at home, literally. You know, did the dance studio, everything I had to, I did, I am doing what I love to do without anyone's expectation or what they necessarily want me to do. And so, at 15, 16, I'm thinking I have to go this route. Okay, I got to go a degree route. I have to give me a three degrees to be able to do what I want to do. I'm sitting here doing what I want to do now. So what I want to say is, um, and you guys, excuse me for the background because we have the ice cream uh, truck. He's actually coming around. Uh, I can hear him. I told him I wanted some ice cream, but I'm, you know, I'm doing this now. <laughs> so... Break away from expectations. Break away from expectations. One of my goals is, there's a, there's a goal that I have. I think I posted about it. I haven't talked about it. I'm not going to talk about it yet because I am still, um, it's, uh, I, I'm not going to say it yet because it's not time for me to expose it yet. But there is a desire in my heart to do something. And um, it's been for a long time, very long time. And I will discuss that because I'm really excited about it. And I'll discuss it when it's time. Uh, and you know it's it's just amazing how 
you will have so much friction pulling you from the type of things that you want to do simply because, you know, they don't agree or it might not be their path of where they, they're, they're going. Okay, so let's, let's start on that. Make sure you put break away from expectations, okay? So now we're going to get into, we're going back into the expected end. I'm going to go ahead and repeat that verse. For I know the thoughts I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, and to give you an expected end. So I want to talk about loss. We're getting into loss now, and loss is something that so many people struggle with, and they become depressed, and because of loss. My experience with loss, my first experience with loss was... um, my loss as a child and my loss as a child was my mom was not really there for me the way I expected her to be there for me as a child she was running around with her friends you know uh, prostitution all these different things and she really wasn't there for me like I needed her to be for me and it caused a really a grieving and a loss in my life because the mom is someone that you know, she was my best friend. She was the one I hung out with and did everything with. And when I was nine years old, my mom was murdered. Um, and she was killed. And um, she died. And this was so hard for me to get through. And I did not think that I would get through it. And I knew it was only because of God's grace that got me through this type of loss in my life. And I knew when my mom passed away, that everything would be stripped from me, everything. I knew I would go through a battle. And I say this to say, because my mom was a spiritual, um, she was a spiritual covering for me in my life. As a young age, I told you guys, many of you guys might've read, I was experiencing spiritual attacks. These are, I mean, ear aches, uh, falling out, um, out of nowhere on the floor. I didn't have anything wrong with me, you know, I would fall out on the floor. My legs would cramp up. I would, I couldn't swallow my food. It was so bad. You know, I would cry. My ears would ring. I, these were, these were demonic attacks that I was experiencing at a young age, uh, be, just because of the calling over my life, you know, because of the warfare that I was experiencing, you know, I would see dreams, spiritual dreams at, at very young, like four or five years old. And uh, yes, I was a Christian. You know, I had I was I had gifts of the spirit. I had tongues at a very young age, um, and I was experiencing a lot. You know, I would preach Jesus at five, and you know, at ten years old at school. And I wasn't just talking about Jesus. I would talk about end times. Me and my friends would talk about end times and how Jesus was coming back. This is the type of stuff we would talk about. You know, I was reading scripture. We were talking about things in revelations, things that people are afraid to talk about now. And I would just cry. Just the Holy Spirit would hit me, and I would just cry when we'd get on talking those those topics. You know, because I knew I would be someone that would be. I I, I knew that there was a, there was a call over my life, and so. When my mom passed away, it was very hard for me because it was hard for me to really cope and really understand what was happening. Around that time, things started happening. Um, I started going through uh, more abuse in my household. Um, and opening the door, I started, I talk about this in my book. I talk about it 
um, in the podcast, I experienced sexual abuse, incest, I experienced that at a young age. A lot of people uh, experience this in their households. And how I'm talking about it now, it's not to um, bring down the family member or the persons uh, that I experienced it with. This is not what this is for. This is to talk about my story. I've already exposed it. I've already uh, gained in the process of, of healing and went through that. I am exposing this so other people can know, you know, um, it happened to me, you know, and little by little, believe it or not, you know, little things like um, being hit on the butt and, you know, saying no and just, you know, still having to go through this and being angry and resentful, it built it. Um, a chipping away and a resentment in my heart to to make me very um hard firm and uh very sensitive at a young age and uh excuse me if i get emotional please <laughs> please but um it made me very shy around men it made me my relationships um i didn't have good relationships all my relationships were bad relationships um men would come in you know for sex and uh just different things like that you know and watching my mom have all these men bringing all these men in and just seeing how she would cry and seeing how she was treated it was very hard for me so many people might assume hey she grew you grew up in she grew up in a a very um, prestigious household and different things from the from the outside it looked like that but from the inside I was going through a lot and when my mom died it was like everything I knew things were going to get worse you know Uh, my aunt started giving out all my clothes away throwing everything all the new stuff that we had people would give us we ended up wearing the same stuff over and over I started you know cleaning up the restrooms and everything at 10 years old and you know having to do stuff and I just felt like my freedom was gone. I couldn't go anywhere. You know, I noticed I, I wasn't even wearing colors and different things that I used to wear before. And uh, I I felt like an orphan. You know, I felt like, okay, things are, what did I do? What did I do wrong? So then I, it went, I want to get into psychological abuse. At this time, I experienced at a very young age, I experienced psychological and emotional abuse in my household. This led up to, um, at this time, uh, I was going through physical abuse as well, um, tr- uh, physical domestic violence as well. So the se- I went from sexual abuse to physical abuse. So the sexual abuse turned into physical abuse. <clears throat> and uh, the enemy, and like I said, I want you guys to listen to this, listen to this scripture. For I know the thoughts I think towards you, say the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. And at a young age, I knew I have an expected end. At a 13-year-old getting beat on, you know, by a family member, a guy, and he would come home and he would be angry. And I was a target because, you know, I didn't really take anything. I didn't want to hear anything. And I was a target. And... You know, my aunt was, I remember my aunt saying, that's what they deserve, you know? That's what she deserves. She doesn't know how to shut her mouth. That's what she deserves. So it, it, um, and in my book, I call, I call him the Python because I, 
saw this specific person as a this person was was not a bad person but this person was you was the enemy was using this person in my life to bring me to my life to an end and to scar me because he was also scarred and also experienced things in his life so i don't see this person as he was an evil person but it was a it was a battle in my life so we i had to my sister um we shared a room and we had to stock up stack up boxes and bags in front of the door so the person wouldn't get in and uh we had to my sister would push herself on the door she was she ended up getting a growth spurt so she was very more um bigger than i and uh, taller and so she ended she, we were like 12 13 and she would push herself against the door because he would try to get in with a knife and when he would come in he would come directly toward me and i would get punched in my ribs and my stomach and he wouldn't stop. And after he got, I got punched, he would leave. And there was one time where one of my uh, brother's friends were there. And he pushed me into a refrigerator. And um, because he thought that I was laughing at something but like bad at him, but I was actually giggled because it was something funny he said but for him in his mind he thought it was something he was triggered by it so he slammed me into the refrigerator in front of my brother and his friends they were playing a game and I had a glass of water and I threw the glass of water up and it hit his face and the glass of water fell and broke and I went into my room and I locked the door and it got so bad that my aunt took the door off. She she started like I would leave and close my door. She she started to take she took the door off so we had no privacy at that point. But I didn't have I didn't feel that there was any hope for me or any protection in that house and I didn't feel safe. So many times I called the police and they sent the police back and told them that nothing was going wrong. I went through this through high school, maybe for about four years until it stopped, maybe three years, freshman, sophomore, junior year, I think. And I would stay at school so long. I was in a uh, theater club, so I, w- I was an actor, actress in uh, high school, and I acted in um, uh, UIL competitions and different things like that. And so that's what I did. I was an actress. I was a dancer, I had formed a dance team and I would stay to school till like seven o'clock. I would make sure I was involved in everything just so I could um, not go home and have to deal with the abuse. So around this time, I was also in an abusive relationship where the guy would ignore me for days, pop up, um, tell me, you know, Oh, this and that, and he was cheating on me. And um, this was a, he was a long distance relationship. He was he didn't go to my high school. He went to like another school. Um, he would um, tell me he was meeting up with me and then not come. Um, all kind of stuff. That's what happened. So he did that, and um, my aunt would come in my room and scream at me, and she would say, um, "You're gonna be nothing like your mom." 
if you don't get up and get out of the bed, you're going to be on pills and depressed. And she would just come and she would start arguments with me and say, you know, your mom was crazy. She was depressed and she was ve- she would be very angry and had so much resentment. She would come in my room when I was already low and down and she would scream at me. And she would tell me these things. You're not going to do anything. You're not going to be nothing. Your mom was nothing. She she was um, she was on drugs and she went and sold this and that and she was depressed and see my mom actually went through sexual uh, was raped went through sexual abuse when she was younger and that's why she ran away because my aunt didn't believe her so she ran away and she got into prostitution that's what happened with her and uh, I had to live with that believe it or not so at 17 I attempted to run away I ended up running away to a neighbor's house next door um, and I stayed in there because I was coming from, I was coming home and my aunt started arguing with me and uh, she said, you know, your mom was pregnant when she died and all this stuff. So my mom was three months pregnant when she died and I told my aunt to leave me alone that I didn't want to hear it and she wasn't there to defend herself. So I would jam my music really loud. The song that I love called Flyleaf by, uh, it was by Flyleaf called All Around Me. That was my song in high school. I think I was about 15. And uh, she said, when we get home, I'm going to beat your ass. And I said, no, you're not going to touch me again. You're not going to touch me. And I stood up for myself. And, you know, because I'll talk about that too, um, the abuse I went through. I talk about this in my book, but um, once when I was 13, I, uh, I experienced... Um, this one time, two of them, family members came in my uh, room and they just started pulling me around and pulling my hair and like hitting on me and pulling my hair and like swing, like jumping me basically. And um, I called my, uh, I called one of my aunts, I called her a witch. And I think she thought I called her B-I-T-C-H, but I actually called her a witch because that's what I saw her as. And, um, she told the other one and they all came and tried to, then after that I got a spanking or whatever. And my aunt put me in this room. I call it the blue room in my book. And it was my mom's old room. It was painted like a turquoise color. And she hit me. She beat me for five minutes straight. She beat me until she got tired and she was out of breath. And I was screaming my whole, I was, I can't tell you, I was flying across the room. Like, I was, I was screaming so loud, so loud that I'm pretty sure the neighbors could hear me screaming. And she had this big belt and she would, she wouldn't just roll up the belt. She, the belt was opened up and she would hit me like a slash. And she, she would, she was swinging that belt back and forth like it was a ribbon, like a slash, and it was hitting me from back and forth. And I was screaming. I was terrified. I was 13, and she closed that door and hit me for five minutes until she was, she was out of breath when she hit me. And I would never forget that day. And after that day, I shut down. So I was going through. I started going through physical abuse, getting hit on by a guy in the family. I started going through this. Then I started being bullied. 
all of what I was going through, not feeling safe, I tried calling the police to just get me out of there. And they would const the police would come and everybody would be nice and say, oh, nothing's wrong, nothing's the matter. It got so bad they had to come they had to come talk to my brother just to talk to you know talk to the the people and just the brothers and different people to see what was actually going on because it was so much commotion so this ended up having I ended up being very depressed um going through this and uh, just shut down really shut down um I would cry almost every night I, my headaches was so bad I would cry myself to sleep I could I had to sleep on the phone with somebody just to go to sleep just to just to close my eyes and have peace I had to be on the phone with somebody and so what happened was this ended up um going into uh, I started college college saved my life starting college believe it or not I, I went straight in from high school I decided not to go to the dance school. I stayed in um, Houston because God uh, told me to. You know, I was being just felt like he had another path for me. And um, I was able to move out um, four days after I turned 19. I moved out into my own apartment. And I was so traumatized still from all of the stuff that I had went through that I would wake up with nightmares I had experienced some stuff in college as well that you know was traumatizing to my first year but I was going through stuff at home too you know and um I um was wake up from nightmares and the nightmares started at home before I left it was started when I was like I think 17 I would wake up like sweating crying and had to remember hey this is not I'm, you know, which even though I was going through it, it started to come out in my body. So it started to affect my body. And so having my own apartment healed me. It helped me heal. And I remember one day waking up and I was, you know, and crying. And uh, God said, uh, you're safe now. I remember him speaking to me. He said, you're safe now. You know, and I woke up and I just remember my part apartment, the um I lived on Westheimer, you know, when I was 19, a little few minutes from the Galleria, and I, I um, had this light curtain, you know, at the time, and um, I remember my blankets and everything, and I woke up, and my bed was turned toward the window, no, like, facing the window, and um, it was, when I woke up, it was, it was peaceful, you know, and I had to remember, okay, I'm not in this anymore. I'm free. I'm free. I've gotten out. And uh, that was so hard for me. And, you know, I always tell people, if you're going through an abusive situation at home, for me, when I ran, when I attempted to run away, going back, I ended up going to a neighbor and I ended up going back home. And I ended up leaving at 18 and I lived, yeah, I was homeless basically because I couldn't, I was, I, I didn't feel safe in there. So I left at 18 and I lived with a, a friend of mine and I lived in his dorm. Um, my friend is, uh, was a part of the LGBT community and I lived with him for three months in his dorm. I was not supposed to be living with him, uh, but he lived in the UH dorm and I put all my stuff in his closet and I lived with him in his dorm. He had guy roommates, you know, and I stayed there for three months until 
and then I had to go back home for two months before I got my, I mean, for two weeks before I got my apartment. But by that time, I just stayed to myself, you know, got a hotel when I needed, when I needed it and just uh, left. And most things, times of what I would do when I turned 18 was I would go leave home and I would go get a hotel just to be away from home. That's how I would, you know, because I had money, I was in college. Uh, you know, and that's what I was able to do. I was working on the college campus, um, so I was able to get go do a hotel and kind of have a little bit of freedom, what I wanted to do. So um, I want to kind of pause here um, to say this was my childhood trauma and the abuse that I experienced as a child. And um, this is just some of the graphic you know, we can talk about um, everything and you're not going to really see the picture, but I experienced this for years in my household and uh, being screamed at all these different things and having to experience, you know, other siblings being put aside and just different things like that. And it was very hard, you know, for me. Um, but I do appreciate that I had somewhere to live and I do appreciate that you know we weren't just giving away because when I was two you know, uh, my aunt told me that these are my great aunts so these were like my mom's aunts but uh, we were in Florida and uh, we, they were going to put us in CPS and she said they had to come get us to Florida I was two and me and my siblings at the time my uh, younger brother I think my mom was maybe pregnant with him if I'm not mistaken but we were living under a bridge in Florida so we were homeless living under a bridge with my mother um, because my mom had ran away from my dad and because uh, you know he was a pimp he's actually in jail still uh, because he was pimp, um, human trafficking sex trafficking that's what he did so um, I also talk about how I experienced years of him calling uh, coming, actually coming to the house, knocking on the window. So that's more trauma that I experienced of them trying to take him, trying to take us when my mom died. When my mom died, it was so hard because we had to hide, literally, um, to be to avoid from being put in prostitution. You know, he was calling his his uh, prostitutes was calling, um, trying to get us and sell us. He was asking, "Was we having sex yet?" And so it chipped away my my um, self esteem. You know, going through sexual abuse, having men already objectifying me, especially even my dad seeing me as a property was was so much was very hard on me as a, a child. And this is why I live the way I do. And it really affected me when it started, when it came into relationships by 18. I every guy that wanted to talk to me, I just talked to him. I didn't want to. I just did it because I said, oh, you know what, whatever. He likes me. OK. And it's nothing to do. And uh, at 18. You know, um, I did lose my virginity. Uh, well, I um, when when I went through the process of my virginity, of, I have to say I lost it because you know it went in. But we did not do anything after that. It just went in. That was it. But at 19, that's when I officially had my first sexual encounter. Uh, my first uh, sexual intercourse encounter was when I was 19 that was the first time and I was at my apartment and that was my very first time and uh, but when I was 18 I was still a virgin before uh, losing my virginity and really going through that 
and um but I was going to the guys' houses. I mean, guys would be like 24, you know, older men. And um, I was just there, you know, and they were, I would see them getting angry at me, like, you know, you don't wanna have sex, it's not going in, you know, what are you doing? And uh, I would sit there and just feel like, and cry because I was like, you know, I really don't wanna do this. <laughs> I really, I'm just, I'm just numb. You know, I'm numb to the world, I'm numb. And so I didn't have anyone to come tell me, you know, hey, you know, at that time, like, you don't have to do this, you know what I mean, like, we could just be friends, we could just do this, it was just sex, or this, or that, and, you know, I was so tired of that, I was like, you know, I come from this background of all of this stuff, and all these, this is all people want now, you know, sex, sex, pornography, all this thing, with stuff was so open, and, and I just, it, it really affected me, you know, and so, what ended up happening is, um, I ended up, you know, healing, I got, you know, one thing that I do to heal is my, you know, my candles, my bath stuff, um, just all, a lot of things, I started going to church, and I'll get into that too, because I don't, I'm getting into my whole life, so, but I really want to talk about how loss and how these things play a role on us, um, but that happened to me, and that was, very traumatic going into um being happening and you know i'm teen years and um it just built so much stress on me and it attracted me to really bad relationships uh very just a lot of situations and just you know accepting things because other people wanted to do it and i really that's not what i wanted you know and sometimes we get afraid, we feel like, oh, you know, if I don't talk to this guy or I'm going to be alone forever, you know, if I don't do this, I will be alone forever. I just started clubbing. I started, you know, having sex and um, just a lot. And I just, when clubbing, believe it or not, clubbing for me was fun because I went to um, salsa dance all night. But I was so stiff, the men would want to dance with me, and I, the old men, and I would be like, no, why are you trying to dance with me? But it got to the point where I ended up dancing to this, uh, with this older guy. He actually taught me this little dance move, you know, because I was learning how to, like, Latin dance and everything. I was learning my culture, too. I had a friend that would take me out um, to the club, and we would go to this restaurant, actually, that on um, West Timer that they had. And that was, a fun, that was a very liberating part in my life, because... I learned so much. I learned dance. I learned like a lot of different things and I needed that, you know, I needed to release that, you know, so I don't see, even though God told me to stop clubbing, <laughs> I never went to like the, the, um, twerking clubs. I, I, that's, that just wasn't my scene. I liked to dance, you know, so, um, I never saw that as anything like, um, you know, people was drinking and all that stuff. And, uh, when God called me into acquired a place to heal and for him to really uh, move in my life I couldn't be in those atmospheres anymore you know like like they say the oil the anointing the oil could not go into those atmospheres um, because it, it was it was uh, it would dim that you know it would um, kind of dim that and bring it that hedge you know down because you're going into all these atmospheres and stuff like that so I was trying to build purify and 
uh, cleanse myself and heal. So I had to delete, I had to like let go of a lot of things in my atmosphere, especially for me to realize what was actually going on with me. Because sometimes we go to clubs, we go to all these atmospheres and, um, we do all this stuff, you know, hookah, we drinking and we don't realize that we have a lot of pain. You know, a lot of us have a lot of pain and we're doing a lot of things just cause we got pain and we got to be around a friend all the time, but we don't really take that time to deal with ourselves to realize what's actually going on with us. And I took that time to act to realize what was actually going on with me you know so before I get into part two which is the which is very important this is part one this is the part one of uh my life and where the abuse started okay so this is going to uh, this is where it started uh because I am going to get into part two um this is where it started this is where it came from it came from a lot of things I experienced started for me as a child so I was I've been battling this type of things for a child as a child um this loss expectations doubt verbal abuse that I was experiencing all of these things that I was experiencing led me to be depressed it led me to feel alone um it affected me um gave me dreams and uh had me waking up you know that's you can consider that PTSD I wasn't diagnosed with anything but I knew what this was you know looking back but over time God healed me and gave me peace and it restored my you know uh, my trauma everything that I had was restored and um I want to talk about how uh, because I'm going to get into what happens when we don't heal properly what happens to our bodies this is what i'm going to go into part two i'm going to talk about my autoimmune disorder how i developed my autoimmune disorder um how i knew i had an autoimmune disorder uh how it affected my the stress from the trauma and abuse recent abuse that i went through in a um my adulthood affected me and and uh, triggered my autoimmune disorder and my chronic skin disorder. I want to talk about all of this in part two. That, that so you want you guys want to listen to this. Um, this is basically going to talk about how it started to affect my body, the things that I was experiencing that I did not let out and get out um, after. Um, so, and this, and how I was able to recognize it and recognize, Hey, this is abuse. I'm, I'm experiencing abuse. I, this is abuse. I have to get out. I have to get out. I have to get out. I'm going to talk about that in, um, part two. I'm going to talk about the miscarriage, uh, that I had when I was 19. I'm going to talk about the miscarriage that I had as an adult, um, the psychological abuse I experienced in a relationship, um, the depression going through homelessness going through verbal and emotional abuse in a relationship um going through gaslighting trauma bonding all of these different things that um that you i'm going to talk about trauma bonding because i feel like this is something that is very important to so many women that are going through this in their relationships and uh why women and men you know I'm a woman, so I usually talk on my behalf, but there's men that go through this as well, you know, but you see it like a lot in women. So I'm going to talk about that in part two. So you do not want to miss part two of this podcast. Um, And we are still in the same Bible verse for I know the thoughts I think toward you. All right. 
saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. So we're in an expected end. God has an expected end for you. That's important. And one verse, the verse that I told you guys that got me through so much was Psalms 30 and 5. It says, for his anger endureth but a moment in his favor, his in his favor is life weeping may endure for a night but joy cometh in the morning I remember when I was 19 my sister would call me and I was I was going through this healing and she would call me and and I would cry and I would just hang up the phone (laughs) just hang up the phone like she's like why is she hanging up the phone and I would text her she would say what's wrong I would say nothing I'm just I'm 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 healing I'm healing. I'm healing. And I, w- I wasn't depressed or anything. I was just, I was healing. Like my body was, was getting everything out in a way that I would get everything out was I would cry. It is healthy to cry. It's healthy to get things out. And I knew, I said, something in me is changing. Something in me is, is, uh, is, is being changed. And it's, and I don't know what it is. And I remember she called me and she said I had a dream and she was very scared because she didn't understand, but she said she had a dream that I was in this this um, freezer, this ice thing, and I was my hair was cut off, and I was laying in ice, and I was frozen, and I was dead. And she said you were so beautiful, like you were glowing, you were so beautiful. And she told me, I said, well, what happened? You know, am I going to die? And she said, no, you died to yourself. You died to your old self. Your old self has passed away. And I just said, you know, she had, we had, she had came to my apartment because we had, she visited me and I was crying. And I said, you know, I thank God because God gave me that confirmation. He said the old, um, I was laying in bed and he showed me, this box and it had this clothes on it and it had chains around it and he said the, the last 10 years of your life has passed away and I was 19 so I was nine when it started he said this is passed away and I'm taking you to in a new into a new uh walk with me and I thought that was um beautiful because God was taking me God allow a lot of things to go to, for me to go through you know he allowed a lot of things to me to go, for me to go through through my growth and this is before I knew um I knew really about ministry or what I what was happening I was just God was um was uh, healing me and I would just cry sometimes just because I was just I wasn't depressed or anything I would just cry because I was it was letting out your body has a way of grieving and letting out and cleansing itself just like you use the restroom and you do all that, your body releases sweat, it releases tears. All of this is a way for you to heal and get those things out. You know, you have to get those things out. So I am going to meet you guys on the other side of part two. Please make sure you are, um, you listen to part two. Okay, so part two is going to talk about, um, Part two is going to talk about um, all this, all this other stuff that's going to be happening. All right. So this stuff that happened uh, recently.
that's what we're going to be talking uh that's what we're going to be talking about in part two all right so i will see you guys part two and make sure you subscribe like share if you would like and leave me a voicemail regarding part one okay i'll see you guys soon i'll talk to you guys soon Thank you.